0: That girl, she just left like a hurricane You were standing in a pouring rain Screaming out her first name
1: Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show as well as fans of music in general and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they are doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This incorporated. Incorporated Thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody out there who listens. I do encourage you to make sure you're signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you're not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. And yes, it honestly is weekly, meaning I'm only going to send you each Wednesday. There are so many people who I get emails from way more than once a week, which really gets quite annoying, and so I hope it will mean something to you that you will only get an email from me each Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville. My guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, who is a two-time Grammy nominee, in addition to having been nominated for a Dove Award for Song of the Year. He also has an Academy of Country Music nomination and two CMA nominations. Plus, he was nominated for the 2019 Australia's Golden Guitar Award for Best Traditional Country Album. His first single had been a top 20 hit with the band The Dirt Drifters on Warner Brothers Records. During his career, he has had over 100 independent and major label cuts. He is also the organizer of the Nashville Nights event taking place in September in Denmark. He will also be a featured performer next month at the 2nd Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama. You've been hearing a song of his called There She Goes. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Blue Foley.
2: Thank you so very much, Bruce. Hello, everybody out there. Just a big fan of Now Hear This. Glad to be here today.
1: We are long overdue for this, so let's get started by having you share with the audience all about the song that was just playing, called "There She Goes."
2: Yeah, so there's a. <laughs> it's funny. I I like to tell this story from stage whenever I play this song out. It's it's really a a, a funny situation. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is it was my first cut. It was my first single. It was all came in one package, which was really a blessing, and I got a call. Uh, one day from the front man of the band. His name is Matt Fleener. And he said, hey, what are you doing? (laughs) And I really was. I was in pajama pants, uh, drinking a beer at two (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon, watching Star Trek, (laughs) like all good songwriters, (laughs) you know, working hard, uh, (laughs) doing the dream. And he said, you know, do, do you want to go to the Opry? Well, I'd been in town for, it was seven years before I got my first cut and single. Mm. And I had never been to the opera. I was kind of saving it, you know, for I'll get there one day, you know, someday they'll play my song there or whatever. And, and I said, he says, uh, I said, well, yeah, man, I, I'd love to go. What's going on. Who's going to be there. And he goes, well, it's going to be us. And I was like, Oh man, thank you for calling me. And thank you for the invite. And he goes, and and you need to get dressed up because we're going to be playing your song. <laughs> and mm. I was like, Oh, man and so i I, sure enough i did and when i got there uh this was you know like i said that single came out in 2008 and back then they weren't real keen to having people video back there now the rules have changed but back then there was a bunch of no videoing signs and
0: Mm.
2: boy not me i'm an outlaw (laughs) so i'm i'm videoing the backstage i'm videoing where they get ready And my boys are about to step into that Sovereign Circle, and I'm backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. First time I've ever been there. Mother Church of Country Music. And I'm just, I'm so overwhelmed with joy and satisfaction and excitement and all the the feels, literally all the feels. And in my mind, I'm videoing. And, I mean, this was what like an old school, almost a flip phone. But they're about to step into that circle, and I I decide I'm going to talk to my mom. In my head. I'm, I'm not a mama's boy, as in like when I get sick, I cry. But my mother was a single waitress, and, and, and she raised me my whole life, and she's my hero and one of my best friends. So as they go, I start to narrate, talk to her. Mm. And I start to talk to her. Well, as it turns out, all you can hear through the entirety of the song on that particular video is me going, Mom, mom, mom they're playing my songs on the Grand Old Opry. I'm weeping through the whole thing. It's actually quite hilarious. I, 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 The flip phone got destroyed and so did the video, but if I had that, oh, no. it would be pay dirt gold today. But yeah. that, that's how the first single came about and what happened
1: with it. And so that was the Dirt Drifters on Warner Brothers records, the song that I referred to in the intro when I said it was a top 20 hit.
2: Yes, that's right. That's a song called There She Goes. And as far as like the creative process of it, (laughs) we had gotten together. It was it was an entire it was a five way co-write. So it was me and the entire band, the four guys that were on the tracks in the band. And uh, sure enough, we were I, I had just gone through a breakup and we were talking about it. And it was just that, well, there she goes. And that's honest to goodness how the song goes. Mm.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, I was tempted to ask you, how did you even link up with them in the first place? But I think bigger picture, you are just so darn well connected. You seem to know anybody and everybody, which, of course, is huge, both there in Nashville as well as in the music business in general. Are you from Nashville originally? And then also, what has been the key to successfully forming so many relationships?
2: Boy, I love those questions, Bruce. They're great. First of all, no, I am not a Nashville native. However, on December 15th of 2022, this very year, it will be my 20th anniversary here in Nashville. So Ah. to answer your question, yeah, to answer your question directly, no, I am not a Nashville native. But it certainly has become home, and it really, it took a couple of years, but after you stop going home for the holidays, that's really when whatever new town you're in (laughs) becomes home, and it was probably about two or three years into being here at Nashville that I was like, well, I'm going to stay with my friends for Christmas, or we're going to do Thanksgiving, you know, so to directly answer that question, I'm not, but Nashville has definitely become home. And then the other facet of the question that you asked was, you know, how how do you get so connected? How am I personally so connected? I mean, first and foremost, it's definitely due to songwriting. I've had four, uh, well, I'm in my fifth professionally paid publishing deal. Um, And so you obviously make connections to people in the industry through that. And then obviously the, the recognition of being blessed with having the major label cuts that I've had and and the success with the nominations and, and the accolades and, and things of that nature. But if you were to really break it down, I think for me, the reason that I have such healthy relationships, I mean, I can call – Friends and, and put a writer's night together in 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 the drop of a hat. I, I never get a no, and if they're available, it's always a yes. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: I think that's two, twofold. Number one, I truly champion um, the songwriter. You know, I truly champion our profession. I do all kinds of things to support it. I'm out there, and I go I go to these writers nights, and I listen, and I will comment. Uh, to new writers that are coming to town, experienced writers. And uh, that, and then my passion in the actual writing room itself. Mm. Um, you know, I really, you know, Angela, Angela Milo said uh, that the truth, one of the quotes that she said is, people will forget your name, they'll forget what you look like, so on and so forth, but they will never forget how you make them feel. And I think my passion about the craft of songwriting and, and making great music and writing great songs translates in a writing room. It translates in those writer's nights, and people connect with that. And so I think that's as much as the songwriting part of it, as far as for being so connected and having the relationships that I do into.
1: Yeah, I see that. I see that. And just a housekeeping note to clean up the part about It'll be 20 years this December since you moved to Nashville. Where did you move from?
2: Oh, so I come from a little teeny tiny ski town in Eden, Utah. Wow. So I'm from out west. Yeah, I'm from out west. I love it out there. I grew up with horses and raced horses in Junior Posse all my life. and uh, Well, up in uh, all my childhood, I should say. And uh, truly, truly some great experiences out there.
1: Mm, wow. Wow. Well, folks, congratulations are in order for Blue. Share with the audience about the cut that you have earned with a major artist that you've previously gotten Grammy nominations for.
2: Yeah, I'm so, so excited about it. And quite honestly, you're hearing it first on Now Hear This. This is new enough information that uh, it, it's it's official for sure, but like the record hasn't come out. The lighter notes haven't been printed, mm. but uh, myself... And C.J. Field and Ashley McBride got together. And this has been oh, 2018 or 2019 because it was after my friend uh, Randall had passed. And we got together and just wrote a song called The 6th of October that is about uh, basically him going to heaven on a hurricane. Because <laughs> it's true. He was down at the Pensacola Songwriters Festival when he passed. And that very next day, uh, Hurricane, I think it was Hurricane Andrew, one of them came through. And so it was three days before it could be. It was just crazy. But it's a song about that. So it's a very serious song, but it's also a very endearing song about the life of our friend. And it's uh, going to be on this upcoming project of hers. And the beautiful part, I also wrote Home Sweet Highway with CJ Fields. So CJ, myself, and Ashley seem to have Great chemistry together, and and things work out. But, yeah, that's definitely the first time that's been publicly announced. So there you go, Bruce. Do we know (laughs)
1: when Ashley is releasing that?
2: Uh, I know that it is in gear for a summer release. Uh, There's also uh, some other, you know, you, you never really, she's been doing so well She's been working on multiple projects. So we don't have a release date yet, but I know the album is complete.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I love the exclusive. But that's
2: literally how good the info is.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you. And folks, as I mentioned, certainly this is someone that Blue has gotten Grammy nominations for in the past, but I want him to go ahead and elaborate on the nominations, not only those, but the others that I mentioned in the intro, Grammys, ACMs, CMA, Dove Awards. Blue, please,
2: yeah, sure. So really, I mean, again, the, it's a, it's such a crazy process how songs end up in these positions. But let's just take, for example, uh, the Australian Golden Guitar. That is that country's equivalent to a country music award, right? So uh, it, it's a CMA. And what happened is I, I met, which, by the way, ironically enough, yesterday literally yesterday i was co-writing with the artist that i got the golden guitar for his wow. name is angus gill and, <laughs> and now he's actually won a golden guitar he did a bluegrass album mm. after he released welcome to my heart which is the album that i was on and the and the song that i had the title track for he named the record welcome to my heart um and then that ended up getting nominated for album of with here so well cool. this past year 2022 they just had their golden guitar celebration i think it was about a month or two ago and he actually took one home he, he when we were in our zoom writing session it was uh seven uh, five o'clock here and it was eight o'clock in the morning there and he was he held it up and showed it to me with his morning cup of coffee he's <laughs> like i got it i got it but anyway uh like concerning that situation Boy, you never—I never would have thought that something like that would have happened. Uh, Angus was 19 mm. at the time, 19 years old, had come up from Australia, and was literally cold calling writers wow. and putting rights together, saying, "Hey, I'm up." And he landed—I mean, he landed. Uh, he ended up working with Jim Lauderdale, Steve Earle. Uh, you know, just all these amazing artists and writers. And I was like, sure, I'll work with you. Well, we ended up just hitting it off and having a great friendship. And I asked my friend Lala Deaton to come in on that right. And I had this idea called Welcome to My Heart. And Angus loved it from the angle that what he could do was put all his, not only his family information in there, like, you know, banana pancakes in the morning, which is one of the lines in the song, but he also could use Australian jargon, Mm. um, you know, because they've got different ways that they say things. And so he ran with it, and then we just did this really, really universal chorus, and then the verses were really honed in on, you know, Australian colloquialisms and, and things of that nature, And when he went back, he put the album together. He produced it himself. He's just a hardworking little guy. And lo and behold, that very next year, it was nominated for Best Traditional Country Album. So, you know, that's the story of of almost getting that golden guitar. And then beautifully enough, it set the stage for him to get one this year. He did a bluegrass album. Um, And since then, he's had... Right now, he's got three number ones on the Australian charts. Two as a producer and one... Off of his uh, singer songwriter wow.
1: records. Wow. Let me jump in with a question, though, before you tell us about the others, because you mentioned that he came up and started cold calling people and you said, Sure, I'll write with you. Was that a case of, oh, Bruce, I'll write with anybody? Or, you know, what made you decide, I don't know who this person is, it's a cold call, but yeah, I guess I'll give him a shot
2: okay that's a, again a great question because normally the answer would be no yeah there were two things and not no i don't mean that in a bad way i mean but the idea is you know when you're in a, a publishing contract you know the idea is to work with artists and get songs on the radio and honestly make money you know that's sure. a part of what the whole situation's about um but there was two things it was his gumption his and his drive and the fact that he had actually already landed some rights and sent me some songs
1: uh, with
2: these folks that he had got these rights with. Okay. And the songs were very well done. And okay. so, you know, I was like, yeah, I will. I said, send me some songs. You know, I'm very interested. And then he sent the songs and I got back with him because he was only going to be in town, I think, that first trip he was here for two weeks. And we ended up spending three or four days together. Wow. But yeah, that, that, a lot of it was just his heart quite honestly Mm -hmm. welcome to my heart
1: (laughs) (laughs) so the grammys the acms cma dove awards i mean gosh just a, a pile of awards there and you know for the audience i want to repeat what i said in the intro that blue has had over 100 independent and major label cuts so in my opinion it stands to reason i'd granted blue i know you but at the same time i still feel that when someone has done as much as you have, I think the Grammys and the ACMs and the CMAs are going to come with it, and, and fortunately for you, they have.
2: Yeah, it, it's been interesting. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'd I really like to actually get one because <laughs> <laughs> all of these are nominations, and I don't yeah. mean to slide anything in the industry at all, but, yeah. you know, it's funny. But it still puts you in an exclusive small circle, and, yeah. you know, I remember at once the... The, once that first one happened, I got a text from a friend of mine, Andrew War- Rollins, and, and he's won an Emmy for songwriting. Mm. Um, he wrote a, a song uh, that was actually on the Young and the Restless, that the soap opera, but it was a really good song, and it won an Emmy for Song of the Year that year. Um, but anyway, I remember, I'll never forget, I got a text from him, and it said, you know, forever and from now on, you can... Always say and be known as Blue Foley, Grammy-nominated songwriter. And that was the very first time I realized, you know what? Even and this was before it was announced whether or not we'd won or lost. Mm-hmm. And that year, that first nomination, we were up against Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour, which is oh, such wow. a great record. And that's the that's the record that actually won for Album of the Year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Which you know, I still listen. To, I listened to Ashley's record girl go nowhere. And I listen to golden hour both. So I'm a fan of both, but, but the, the recognition of, wow, that's true really hit home. And it, it kind of, um it, it, it gave me that sense of, of satisfaction of, of the, the risk, the, the receiving of the success, you know, you work so hard in this town and uh, the first thing, You know, we were talking about this, Angus and I were talking about this, the Australian the other day in this profession, you know, if you're an accountant, they don't go, oh, you're an accountant. What, what do you do? But as a songwriter or an artist, the first thing they want to know is what have you done? You know what I mean? So immediately your resume and, and your reputation are in question with a complete stranger. And it's nice to have an answer like, well, I've been very, very blessed. I've had X, Y, or Z. You know, but to set out and and say, well, that's going to be the path that I want to take. I would have never guessed that in a million years. The next goal for me, to be perfectly honest with you, I am striving so hard to break into that number one club. Mm. You know, that's that's the next, that's the next glass ceiling for me. Um, and and what's great is there's so many wonderful people in my writing circle. Um, that are just exploding. Uh, Russell Sutton and Lee Starr and Nick Columbia just had the big number one My Boy with L.B. Shane, and I write with those guys all the time. So it's great to see those guys get that success and, and knowing that we run together in those circles and, and yeah. really being able to hone in on that as a goal.
1: Well, I think you mentioned before, You, I think you said you're either in your fourth or your fifth publishing deal. I, I think we would all love to learn how you're getting all these cuts with both independent and major label artists, is it a result of having a publishing deal?
2: You know, it's crazy. In my case, all of my major label cuts have been through my personal relationship. But I will say, but I will say, um, I have never really, gotten into the machine that is nashville and mm. what i mean by that that is, that is not a slight i've never had a big writing deal with sony or warner or the big major label record companies that also have publishing companies you know because sony has a publishing side warner has a publishing side which can obviously be very very helpful but on that independent side it's a different kind of a world if you will and truthfully um that it's been through my personal relationships with artists or producers or writers. You know, in the case of the double Award, I wrote that song with Randall, my dear friend who had passed, and it was actually his hook, his idea. Um, it was a song titled, or is a song titled, God's Will. And he had this beautiful spin on it. Everybody knows God's will, you know, God's will be done. Mm-hmm. But he spun it to where, if anything's going to da-da-da-da, do it this way, God will as in God will do all the things for you. So not Mm. only if it is his intention, he will do all these things for you. And so we had this really cool spin on the song. Well, I had lucked out and gotten a writing appointment with Jeff Silvey. Jeff Silvey's had George Strait cuts and Mm. uh, wrote, I believe, still writes for Mui Bueno. I think the name's changed to uh, Melody, or I can't remember. But anyway, at that time, he was producing... And artist, Callie Rose. And sure enough, we write this song and it's got that kind of that really a Christian foundation behind it. And he, Jeff Silvey, pitched it to Callie. And the next thing you know, it's up for song of the year for a double award. So that was
1: 2015.
2: But so cool. our songs get to their paths and how they end up in the places that they go man all all i do is try to write the best song and then you you birth that baby you put a bow on its forehead you kiss it and you send it out into the world you know
1: (laughs) well i want to make sure the audience understands even though we're hearing all about your songwriting and you do certainly go out and perform despite playing the guitar and singing too Blue is not someone whose music you should be looking for on Spotify or Apple Music, for example. Blue, was that always your intent or was there ever a time when you thought of giving it a go as a recording and touring artist? And and for that matter, what influenced those decisions either way?
2: Oh, Bruce, I love these questions. I love it. I haven't thought about this stuff in years. <laughs> uh, no. Um, and what's funny is no, I never, ever, 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 intended on being an artist wow. um i just my I, I don't have the ego for it. Mm. not to say that i mean i mean that in a, in a unique way um you know it takes such a village to get an artist out on those giant stages you know you've got management merchandise teams record labels uh publishers you know uh then you've got personal assistants tour managers road managers you know, booking agencies. And I mean, these are teams and teams and teams and teams of people that are all there to work for you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just not that guy. I'm a do it myself kind of guy. So, to answer that question, no. Um, I never came out intending to be an artist. Plus, I didn't move out here until I was 30. And so I had had another career as an engineer, an automotive manufacturing engineer, designing and blowing up and building airbags.
1: Wow. So I had
2: spent. My- my 20s and 30s as an engineer, you know, saving lives automotively, and then just really was like, I I had a few things happen, and I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go do what makes my, what feeds my soul, Mm -hmm. and I never look back, and, uh, you know, so I guess to answer that question, it's, I don't know. How, I don't know how I ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined
1: today on the Now Here This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player, Blue Foley. Follow him on Facebook. It's at Blue Foley Songwriter or on Instagram where it's just at Blue Foley. And on the show page for this episode at nhte.net, I am going to put a link So you can access Blue's Linktree, which currently has a 2021 performances recap video on it, as well as a link to a major event that we will be talking about shortly. Plus, I'm sure that there will be additions made to that Linktree. While you can see Blue performing at various locations there in Nashville, make plans to go see him in late July at the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama, which he and I will be talking about coming up as well. Meanwhile, I invite the audience to tap into all my podcasting knowledge for the show that you want to do or are already doing. We can discuss anything from equipment to how to monetize a podcast to how to promote your podcast and all the other questions and details in between that people routinely ask. Send me an email via podcast at nhte.net and let's book a private one-on-one online video consultation So, I can help you be successful with and get enjoyment from podcasting. Too many people just wing it, and then six months later, they've already stopped. Set yourself up for success with your podcast by scheduling time with me to get you the help that you need. I will give that email address again at the end of this episode. Blue, I just mentioned in in there a big, big event that's happening in September in Denmark that you are far more than just performing in. That is actually your event. And a huge undertaking at that. Share with the audience what I'm referring to.
2: Yes, I I will do that. Except for, I got to tell you, (laughs) I lost my train of thought. Because you had talked about why not uh, Spotify and stuff. Well, I'm actually flying to L.A. And for the first time in 20 years, I'm going to do a record. I'm flying out to L.A. on June 26th. We've got the songs picked. So I'm going to have some music. So that's an exciting thing. As far as release date, I have no idea. Um, we're just going to see how it goes God willing that my voice will get better but yes (laughs) that's exciting uh, now now flipping the script uh because I was like oh I can't believe I didn't talk about that I gotta talk about that uh but anyway uh oh my goodness uh this Nashville Nights is a company that I started with Stephen Mork now there's two other business partners one is the organizer extraordinaire and just takes care of basically all the things her name is tracy hits she is also my personal songwriting manager and then our investor jim kaufman who originally started the song factory which two publishing deals ago that's where i was signed so that's how that relationship mm. and then he became a believer in what i'm doing so national night is twofold there's a festival side and then there's a touring side and in the case of the festival We started over in Denmark with my partner Stephen Moore just literally doing house concerts and playing anywhere that they would listen because country music isn't very well known, believe it or not, in Denmark. Denmark's about the size of Texas. And I'll be goodness if they didn't just eat our little rednecks up. They love the stories behind the songs. They love the jargon. They love most of the time, and what I found out in those early years, was that in Europe, it, they're very, <laughs> it's a lot more sophisticated than it is here in America. That's for sure. <laughs> like, they pay their ticket. They go in, and they're expecting a polished performance of perfection and all that, you know, almost like going to sit with the king at court and listen to the uh-huh. play, you know. And so we show up drinking beer on stage and having a good time and telling jokes and cutting up with each other. And then we played these songs and they just, they fell in love with that format and it blew up over the course of four years to where now we are permanently, or at least for the next three years, Mm. we're in the city of Odense, um, which is just a beautiful location in Denmark um, down at the, the Southeastern tip, just a beautiful place. And uh, we've got seven stages, over 70 shows. Foy Vance is going this year. Foy Vance had uh, eight or nine Ed Sheeran cuts. We've got Lee Thomas Miller, who's had nine or ten, country American number ones, Bobby Pinson. Um, and all of that came about just for me and Stefan again, believing in the, the songwriter and, and doing for mm. the songwriter. And then on the touring side, We now have a a fly date back and forth to Phoenix. We're setting a route up to Key West as a fly date. We're setting up an actual uh, drive, a run that goes all the way up into Chicago and back and six or seven venues in between. All this is just budding and, and blossoming from what we do here in Nashville and realizing that there is an audience out there for it. And so that's been a really satisfying journey. It's that business side of me. Um, you know, cause like I said, I was an engineer before. So I, I actually, I have all the, the corporate management training cause that's yeah. what I was in. I was a, a, a manufacturing engineering manager. And so it satisfies that itch of organizing. And, and what it does is, you know, when I first moved to town, Bruce, I literally did everything from clean stripper poles to boot cars. I did every terrible job in the book. <laughs> just to try to be able to write. And, uh, now hopefully, you know, in as soon as two or three years, I've got kind of an Uber template idea set up to where we've got a buddy that runs this company called Jamcart. These songwriters, you send in a submission application, we review your stuff. And if you're good enough, I'm going to be able to put you on tour and pay you to go out and you're going to be able to grow your writing circle that way you're going to be able to go out and meet great people all over the country and actually have a job as a performing songwriter. Mm, So it's a really exciting process and things are going really well for
1: it. Yeah, for sure. Just clarify, you said that for the event coming up in September in Denmark, you said 70 shows. Does that mean that there's 70 songwriters or is it there's 70 shows and maybe say,
2: we are, I think, I think we're at, 54 americans that are going over right now and Gosh. there's i think approximately 20 europeans and these are these are big artists they're, they're big writers like floyd bands they're they're artists you know bands and and what's great is we do a big uh writers retreat or a writing camp uh the first couple of days so those that want to get together and do some collaboration uh they can and then we just we take those songs and they're reviewed by a, a group of our peers, and last year we did a, we're did we getting ready to release a Nashville Lights record on vinyl, mm. um, which is songs that have been written in Denmark and songs that have came out of that process. So and there's cool. been some really cool things that have already happened. Bridget Tatum, she's a big hit writer, and she wrote She's Country for Jason Aldean with uh, uh, Danny Myrick. You know, she's country! Anyway, big hit. Well, I took her last year, and then I also took Emma. So we've got a big hit writer, Bridget Tatum, and then Emma, who's really just getting her feet underneath her She's been in town for a while, but has never had a publishing deal. Well, they met and hit it off in Denmark. And fast forward now a year, Bridget has gotten investors, started a publishing company strictly to be able to sign Emma to her first publishing deal, and now Emma's well on her way, you know, to hopefully getting that first big song on the radio as an artist. And all that came from those introductions and that process of what National Nights is. Which I is, love it. Man, I will tout that from on high forever.
1: And <laughs> for the really audience, happy. when Blue is saying Emma, he's referring to Emma Zink. She was the guest back on episode 399 of this show, and I will put a link to her episode on the show page for Blue's episode at net, so you can go back and listen to the conversation that Emma and I had. Much closer to home, Blue, you will be performing at the second Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama, which takes place from July 27th to the 31st. Even though you're not the organizer of that one, meaning you get to just show up and play, I know it's still a very special event for you, though.
2: Well, yeah, it's so funny because I was actually involved before it was even called the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival, we'd gone down there to the Pace Place, you know, Steve that on the Pace Place down there, and just ended up having a ball doing a writer's retreat. And then that has developed into, well, so I still get calls as to, hey, what do you think about this? And, and things like that, which is, it, to me, quite an honor. But the one thing that I can speak to about Lake Martin is the, the man, in the two, this will be the second year, and last year when we went, I was just blown away at how focused the, the whole community was on taking care of the songwriter. We, 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 they worked really hard to make sure we had good sound and cool places to play and great places to stay. Um, and so, you know, it went around our circle here on the road like wildfire, because anytime somebody does a good job it immediately, you know, oh, well, that sounds like a fun uh, thing to do. And we hear that, and, and it grows. So that is truly uh, a testament to how, how what a great job they've done with that festival. I yeah.
1: really enjoy it. You're describing the old they tell two friends and they tell two friends and they tell two friends, yeah. which shows, you know, how powerful things are in Nashville. And, you know, you as well as anybody know the numbers that get tossed around Regarding how many people move to Nashville each day, or each week, or each month, and how many people move out of Nashville, do they leave because the business is just so tough? Is it that their songs are just really not that good? Did they move to Nashville too soon and they're just not ready? What What have you seen that way? Man,
2: these are I love these questions, Bruce. <laughs> these are so insightful, and boy, boy, do I have answers. I talk to you all day. will give you. I'll give you a great example, and this is actually a success story. The truth of the matter is, and and before I go into the success story, I'll just give you a a quick quip of the truth, Mm -hmm. quick dose of the truth. Most of the people that are regionally big fish in a little pond come here and get chewed up because Mm -hmm. the truth is, I, I was very blessed. My second week in town, John Prine, I I was at Christmas Eve. It's a long story. We'll get into that on another podcast later. But the quote that he said to me was blue. If you can do anything else, do it. And I was so confused by that. He said, because eventually the music pendulum will swing like the music pendulum does and you'll be able to make a living in music. And I did, I went and got a job as an engineer. And seven years later, I had my first single, but I had built a life here. So I was prepared to stay and make it no matter what. And a lot Mm. of these people come and go, well, I'm going to put my toe in the water. And if I don't have a record deal in six months or a year, a lot of people come here with a two-year plan, then they go home. So there's that. But another angle of what happens, and this is a beautiful success story. My dear friend Chris Bradley and I should connect you. I know she would love to uh, probably do an interview with you. She moved here and was just incredibly talented, but just for whatever reason couldn't get any traction. And it wasn't because she wasn't good. Because that's the other thing. you got to understand, The not only is the level of talent so incredibly high, but the truth of the matter is there's only so many jobs available. And when you've got, for example, these are just numbers I'm pulling out of my head, a thousand staff writing positions, and 10,000 people applying for mm. them. There's, there's 9,000 people that ain't going to be doing it. And uh, Chris just fell into that incredibly talented category. But she followed her heart and she followed her niche because what she was doing was she was making demos, song demonstrations, demos for people. Yeah. And. I'll be doggone if she has not turned that into a million dollar a year business now yeah. by offering teaching courses and just all it's her, her stuff is called Produce like a boss. I recommend it to anybody. It's the, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best one out there as far as getting your homework studio started and learning how to make money from the songs you produce out of your bedroom type of a thing. She's just incredible. So, there's a a story of success where she initially thought that what she was going to do was come and get a publishing deal and go for it. And, you know, uh, it just, it didn't work out. I tried, we got her set up and she took some meetings, you know, and, and it takes more than that first meeting. You just, you really have to have a do or die attitude and it's easy to get discouraged. You know, you're away from your family most of the time, Um, you know, and if you don't fall into a good group of friends, you spend a lot of time going, what am I doing? Mm. You know, it was opposite for me. I fell into a great group of friends and just (laughs) one of the things I told my mom was I was like, mom, even if I borrow a, a a burner phone from somebody and and call you underneath a bridge in a cardboard box hooked on heroin, I'm not coming home. (laughs) (laughs) Now, thank God none of that ever happened. <laughs> but, I mean, that that's the attitude that I had, you know. I was like, I'm going to make this work no matter what, you know. And the other thing is, like, a lot of people will have a – boy, I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a backup plan, that's what you're going to
0: do. Mm.
2: You know what I mean? Because I always uh, – I knew in, in the automotive industry, after you're out of the automotive industry – as, as from an engineering standpoint, the only industry that moves faster is computers and, and tech, technology industry, the yeah. tech industry. But after one year out of the automotive industry, you're you're a dinosaur. You have to go recertify for all your whatever it is that you do, whether that's quality control or stats or whatever it is. And so, by my second year in Nashville, that I could no more get a go, go get a job as an engineer and then fly to the moon. I would have to start (laughs) completely over at an entry level play and all that. So I just knew I was completely abandoning, you know, 10 years of education and everything else. And, but, you know, it, again, boy, those first two years, I, I, I was so, so I struggled, struggled and struggled, but I had never been more happy. Mm, You know what I mean? Wow. So the trade-off was, the personal
1: satisfaction speaking of firsts there's something that you said back in the first half of the show that i want to go back to sure. which is when you talked about getting that first cut in the world of songwriting i would think that there's a temptation for someone to get their first cut and then get all excited thinking that their phone is then going to start ringing and email box start filling up regularly i have a strong sense that you're going to tell me oh they better not or the only thing they'll hear is silence am i right
2: you're 100% right. The only way that's different, and this happens too, but it's even more rare, is if that first cut or single goes number one. Mm. Other than that, buddy, I'll, I'll give you an example. That first cut was a single in 2008. It was a top 20. I did not get my next major label cut until 2015. Mm now the reason it's legit to say over 100 independent and major label cuts i've probably had somewhere between 10 and 11 major level cuts but what literally kept me going for those years between 2008 and 2015 was the independent artists that were cutting myself
1: yeah yeah
2: i just texas artists and any regional artist i would you know just working with anybody and everybody and you know it's funny. That's exactly how my relationship started with Ashley. She was a regional artist from Arkansas,
1: ah. you know,
2: and I just, I started working with her and I really, she came out to Terry Joe's writer's night at the rusty nail. And my buddy Randall said, but you got to come out here. And sure enough, I went out there and found a hole.
1: Mm. you know? So cool. But, so cool. So, yeah. Yeah. You had yeah. mentioned in the first half of the show that when you found out that you were being nominated, you got a text saying, you know, hey, you're in an exclusive club now, which, you know, it makes me kind of think of in sports you'll see your favorite team, they get, say, as far as the conference finals, and they lose. So they're not going to go to the Super Bowl. They're not going to go to the NBA championship. They're not going to go to the Stanley yes, Cup that whatever. Yes, that's
2: why I said eventually I want to win one of these Well, things. but at the same time,
1: you know, whenever that happens, I'm always quick to remind people, you know how many teams are sitting at home right now wishing they were in the Final Four, so to speak? You know how many fans would have loved to have seen their team get that far? Some of them don't even make the playoffs. Right. So, you know, to get those nominations, I love that he said that to you in that text message, because to get those nominations it really does put you in a much different class and it kind of makes me think of when you were talking about the folks that come to Nashville you know they they were big fish in a small pond and it's like that athlete who was the best player on his team when he was say in high school or in college or in the minor leagues and all of a sudden he gets to the pros and they go yeah well you're going to be like you know a non-starter and they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm a non-starter. Right. Like, I'm ca- I'm coming from being the best. Right. Well, you got to pay your dues and you got to put your time in and you got to learn from the others and get the reps. And And I could be saying this exact same thing about someone moving to Nashville. You don't move to Nashville and say, I'm really popular in my hometown. I'm going to have a hit song next week. No, you're not. No, you're not.
2: Correct. I will tell you though, and, and it's a funny quote, but the one thing that did change it was when I started getting the Grammys and the CMA and ACM, (laughs) it wasn't that my phone started ringing off the hook, but they did start answering when I called them. (laughs) (laughs) You you get what I'm saying? And and the thing is, I mean, but the the bottom line is what that boils down to is just being a hustler. You know what I mean? I'm a hustler. I want to get things done. That's how, you know, not only do I, I write three or four times a week. I have business meetings uh, two three times a week concerning all the Nashville might stuff. You know, I'm 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 driven to truly I mean my my situation's unique. I'm I'm not married. I don't have don't have any children. My career is my my legacy that I'm building. So I'm truly truly uh heart set on changing things for the better for the for the songwriter you know giving them an opportunity to tour as a songwriter if that's something that they enjoy different outlets for their music to be heard and their their music to be paid for you know because right now the industry is upside down and backwards concerning that
1: but you know as far as being a hustler i think it also speaks to the idea that yes you can win these awards or get nominated for them regardless of which it is it's unfortunately a what have you done for me lately business so You can get those nominations and or you can win those awards, but what are you going to do with it now? It's like people who go on American Idol and The Voice and America's Got Talent and The X Factor. That's great that you're on there, but you can't just sit at home and say, well, people saw me on TV. My phone will ring now. No, you have to be proactive and go out and, like you said, watch your calls start to get answered. Now, it doesn't mean that they're all going to result in a yes, but they'll start answering your call because you've got that behind you. I was nominated for this or I just finished second on this show.
2: Correct. That is one hundred percent correct and you know it's funny i let you know earlier i just i've got my sights set on just really getting that number one and it's not that i don't already have them in my catalog so much of that i've got great i've got songs that would absolutely qualify for number ones in my catalog it's having that relationship and getting that perfect lightning moment to strike to where it all lines up and the hundred and fifty people that have to be involved to get that song to a number one are all shaking their head up and down. Yes. At the same time. Mm
0: -hmm. But,
2: but it's funny. I was speaking to my buddy, Russ, who just had a number one. And there is another layer. And that other layer is it's been great. Yes. I can get access to all the new artists, but I really want to be able to get a hold of Keith Urban and Kenny Chesney and and Blake. And I didn't even fathom that there could be something past getting that number one. And then, and then, you know, so there's always that next level. And it's not from a greed perspective or a mountain of more that it's just, that's the the hustle that is us. It's like, okay, cool. You know, I want to, I want to break out into this area and this, this part for my career and things like that. But it's just funny to be like, wow, my big goal is to get that number one. And then, my friends were so blessed and, and worked so hard, you know, cause they wrote that song before they had publishing deals. That song came from the heart and it was mm. a slow climb on the chart, which is best for them because then it can't be, Oh, well they wrote it with so-and-so huge songwriter and it was cut by huge artists. That's why it was number one. No, yeah. these were four songwriters and LB didn't even have a record deal when they wrote <laughs> it. So the whole thing is that authentic, genuine process. And it, and it's, been really well received in Nashville, which is a beautiful thing to
1: watch. No doubt. But
2: even those guys, they're like, okay, next thing is got to get with the icons. Yeah,
1: yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I was using some sports analogies before, and I'll use another one here. The audience, I'm going to throw them a real curveball here to use a baseball expression. There's something blue that you and I have in common. That certainly is not what we would like to be and oh, wow, yeah, me too kind of thing, which is that you and I have both had major health challenges as evidenced by all the successes that we've talked about throughout this episode, that you've still been able to keep pushing ahead. The question is, how have you managed to persevere throughout all that has been thrown at you medically?
2: Well, you know, I'll tell you that the, the point blank, straightforward, bone honest answer is it gives you perspective. Mm. When you as human being are faced with your mortality, literally staring your mortality in the face and there are options to take care of yourself or not take care of yourself and then beyond that to realize that even like right now i'm I'm sitting in my dining room i'm on the phone with you i'm doing this interview i am grateful i am grateful to be here and i think that's a big part of what drives me is the recognition of these challenges have turned into such opportunity and blessings um, for just the joy of what I get to do on a daily basis. And then beyond that, just the joy of being able to be alive Mm. and be here. The gratitude that that generates and the the appreciation for, you know, a, a Diet Coke, (laughs) simple thing, you know, simple thing.
1: But tell me this, though, because I know there's going to be folks listening who are going to say, well, I have medical challenges too, and I'm sorry, but there's some days when, as inspiring as Blue's words are, I just can't do it. And so are you, Blue, do you have days where you say, yeah, I'm not going to lie, there's days when I just can't do it, or is it that attitude that you're describing to us that makes you say, I have a choice, I know I could sit here and say, no, I can't do it today. I'm just going to curl up and, and lay in bed. Uh, or is it, no, I'm thankful for every day I'm alive?
2: I, I am. I am thankful for every day I'm alive, but that don't mean there aren't days that some days I just don't get out of bed. I okay. mean, look, the reality, you know, even now, I mean, like, okay, so I have the major heart issues, which we've talked about. And now my next challenge with my health is, is diabetes and really getting it under control. It's why I am so horse right now. Mm. And it's so frustrating because I've got things that I want to do. I want to do these podcasts and stuff like that. But my ENT is like, look, if you don't give this thing three weeks at least of complete and utter minimum silence, it's never going to heal all the way. Well, Now I've got a record that I'm flying out to do in LA. So I, I get faced with those challenges. And to answer your question directly, there are times when it's not that I allow myself to be defeated but that I allow myself to go, okay, I am, I am at the max of what I can cope with. Uh, and at that point, I do, I do retreat. Okay. But what I do when I retreat is I focus in and I spend time in prayer and meditation, allowing myself to receive what it is that is at the crux of why I am either burnt out or depressed, And then once I kind of get a handle on, okay, that's what it is that's really got me. Then I start formulating a plan to tackle it, you know, or to, you know, stay away from it or whatever that situation is, you know, and, and, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, in fact, to be perfectly honest with you, since I got back from Key West, I did those four shows in Key West and I couldn't speak. So Mm. I, I did that where I, retreated to the house and i mean i'm at least back to where i can talk now but i still need further healing and things like that so you know you 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 do you have to take your time to go okay enough is enough i'm i'm gonna reset
1: okay okay well we're gonna close today with a song called tired of being happy which is an ashley mcbride song that you wrote that got tons of accolades before i let you go and i play that track share with the audience all about this song as well as those accolades that it got
2: So, again, this was on her uh, Girl Going Nowhere record, which was Grammy-nominated
1: and also the first
2: of two CMA nominations. Her second record, Never Will, which I had the title track on, also nominated for a Grammy and also nominated for an ACM and CMA um, uh, for different reasons. My category, it was album of the year. But the cool thing about this particular song, is there's two different stories behind it. There's the one that's, that Ashley tells on stage which is great and I love it. She goes, "You know, country music is known for its cheating songs." And for those of you, this ain't a cheating song. This is a fixing the cheating song. <laughs> I just she introduces it that way all the time and I just I'm I I love that about her. She's just and then they they, a lot of times for, for, in fact, they still do not as often now, but that, that year that they toured on that record, they ended every show with tired of being happy and just did a huge jam session and the crowd's going crazy. Mm. And I would, my phone would light up from with videos of people just <laughs> screaming the chorus and just truly, truly, truly wonderful, wonderful. But the other side of that is how that song came into the, it came into existence And that's the one that I like to tell because that's the songwriter angle of it. But our publisher at the time from the Song Factory, beautiful blonde woman, she is at John. John Party was also at the Song Factory, the artist, and he was celebrating his first number one head over boots. And they were all at the BMI number one party. And my publisher is doing her job. She's networking. She's trying to get John, her writer added to other playlists and she's talking with the president of apple music and the president of spotify and mm. the president of ir radio wow. so this is a big wig conversation right and this gigantic songwriter who for the sake of the podcast will remain <laughs> nameless but literally this this gentleman has over i think it's now 50 number one wow. so this guy is a big big writer he comes up and it was an open bar at the number one party and, and let's just say he'd he'd had his fair share. <laughs> and uh, he he says, uh, Hey, uh, you you wanna dance? And and the Jen turns to him and like well there's no music and it oh well and Then she kind of turns back, and she's trying to have this conversation with Desert, three gentlemen, presidents, head of the radio, you know, the the guys that control the world. And he's like, well, you want to get a drink? And she turns and says, no, I, I, I don't drink, but thank you. And goes back pretty soon, another tap on the shoulder. He's like, well, you want to talk? And he's like, well, I, I'm, I'm talking with these gentlemen right now. Thank you so very much. You know, maybe later. And, and he kind of, at that point, it it, the, it it, registers. And he gets about seven, eight feet away. And he turns around and he goes, well, hey, if you ever get tired of being happy, give me a call.
0: <laughs>
2: and, and Jennifer, being the, the, the smart publisher that she was, She brought that back to the publishing house and told Mm. Ashley about that story. And we were getting ready to go out on a writer's retreat. Uh, This was was back when Ashley was still in her pickup truck, just her and her guitar. And me and Randall jumped in her pickup truck and drove up to Bardstown, Kentucky, and stayed in this terrible hotel room. She had the one double bed. Randall and I were in the other double bed. And she played a couple of shows, and we wrote that weekend, and we wrote tired of being happy while we were up there. So cool, and that's you know that's where it all came from.
1: And is that the song that I believe has been performed on like Jimmy Fallon and shows like that?
2: Yes, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, on XM, it was a top fifteen for almost six weeks, and then here's another great Nashville story. So she'd had the management company, Q Prime, they'd picked her up, but she hadn't signed her label deal yet. She'd had several different labels courting her. Well, the management company puts, tired of being happy out, XM. She does an exclusive XM release and it just, it starts doing really, really well. Well, we are, you know, 15 on the XM chart with a bullet, if you will, knowing that mm-hmm. it's going to go, no, this is without any promotion. This is just mm. the management company giving it to XM.
0: Oh my gosh. The
2: date. The day she signs with Warner Brothers, they take control of everything and all promotion has to stop no. on the single. No. So it never got to go anywhere beyond that. No. <laughs> because what? then by that time they get in you know, and then it was another probably six months before the record actually came out mm. you know, and their first single
1: they ran with was, was Radioland,
2: which was a great single. But, you know, by that time tired of being happy dark being released. That's just one of those Nashville stories,
1: Crazy. you know crazy but a fitting yeah. way to end that's you know we've we've heard so much audience from blue about the music business and i think that really puts a bow on it nicely blue this was long overdue i'm so glad we finally got to have you on now here this entertainment thank you so much thank you for making time to be here i appreciate your time
2: thank you I really appreciate your time, too, Bruce. Let's do it
1: again sometime. You got it. You got it. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Blue Foley. Do follow him on Facebook, where the page is at Blue Foley Songwriter, and follow him on Instagram as well, where it's just at Blue Foley. I did both of those myself today, so please make sure you do the same for him. Remember that I will be putting a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net for the link tree that Blue has, currently with a video on it showing a recap of some 2021 performances and a link to the website for the Nashville Nights event in Denmark in September that you heard him talk about. Do be sure to let Blue know that you heard him I now hear this entertainment. Remember that here in the U.S. you can go see him perform live at venues in Nashville, of course but also at the 2nd Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama from July 27th to the 31st. Go to com for more information on that event. Again, a reminder about getting yourself help with podcasting, or maybe passing this along to someone you know who keeps saying they want to start a podcast, or has started one but is struggling. I have been doing this show every week since February 2014, plus I speak about podcasting at events around the country, Tap into all of my experience by booking a private one-on-one online video consultation with me to get you on the road to podcasting success and enjoyment. Write to me via podcast at nhte.net and let's set up a date and time to get online together for a confidential discussion to get you moving forward with your podcast that's going to do it for episode 434. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song written by Blue Foley. This is the one performed by Ashley McBride that he just talked about. It's called Tired of Being Happy.
0: God, it's good to see you. I just got in. I got a lot of catching.